Uh, but look at verse number one. The Bible says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but the lowly is wisdom. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust, may, unjust men perisheth. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. An hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. But through knowledge shall the just be delivered. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, again for tonight. Lord, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to meet in your house. And Lord, we thank you for another, just the safety of travel, Lord, and no doubt, Lord, it was on our minds tonight as we were driving in, Lord, with the weather and the conditions. Lord, we thank you for safety. But, Lord, even when the sun is shining, Lord, and every, the conditions are perfect, Lord, you are the one that gets us here safely. We ask you, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just help us from your word again tonight. Lord, we, we stand in need to hear from heaven. Lord, we, we thank you for Sunday morning and Sunday night. Lord, but, Lord, it's Wednesday night. Lord, we've, we've been at work. God, we've been dealing with people and problems and uh, Lord, they didn't seem to care about the fact that we went to church on Sunday, Lord. They didn't seem to stop because we went to church on Sunday. But, Lord, they met us head on this week. And well, we're here tonight, Lord, just asking for a fill-up, God. We're here tonight, Lord, asking for encouragement, strength, Lord, encouragement, uh, Lord, to continue in the right direction, continue serving you, continue to be faithful to you. And, Lord, ask, help us to remind us tonight, Lord, as we sometimes seek unfaithfulness, God, we sometimes go astray. God, we'll be reminded, Lord, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, God, and Lord, that we'd heed those calls back to you. Lord, we're so thankful tonight, Lord, that you love us so much and you're, uh, Lord, you, you've purchased us so much, God, that even when we do stray, your simple call is to come back. We ask you tonight, Lord, if there's anybody here tonight, Lord, they're, uh, Lord, they, they're not out of church yet. Lord, they're not uh, out in the world, so to speak, God, but the world is drawing them. God, I pray, Lord, would, would you draw them back to yourself tonight. Lord, if there's anybody here, Lord, doesn't know he's a personal Lord and Savior, save them by your grace tonight. Lord, work in their hearts and I ask, Lord, you to hit me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God. And, Lord, that we'll give you the glory and the praise for what is done here tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, as we continue in the book of Proverbs, uh, you're going to see a, a theme that is repeated over the next few chapters. Uh, and it is a comparison, or really it's a contrast, between uh, the righteous and the unrighteous. It's a comparison between the ungodly and the godly, or the unwise in the unwise, and as I was studying and getting things ready for tonight and seeing this comparison go back and forth, and it was a comparison that David made himself all the way back in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter one, where he said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly, or the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the 
congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And as you go throughout your Bible, you'll constantly see in God's word, there is this comparison contrast between the unrighteous and the righteous, the ungodly and the godly, the unwise and the wise. And we say, well, preacher, why would God so constantly separate those two so you and I can get understanding that those two things are not to walk together? Right, they are not to be joined together. They are not to be, uh, uh, in essence, uh, you know, the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And they're on polar opposites of the scale tonight. They don't agree on anything. And God is trying to get you and I to understand tonight through the book of Proverbs and other parts of the scripture that we are, we are to pick our side. Right, we are to choose which one we are going to identify with and, and not to straddle the fence and not to try to get the best of both and mingle it together and hope it works. No, God has always been a God of separation. He's separated things, light from dark, uh, and all those kind of things. And the same is true. But we see here tonight, how, preacher, how in the world can I make sure that I'm separated in the right direction or I'm separated in the right thing or that I'm, I am uh, clearly where I'm supposed to to be, right? And there's this distinction between ungodly and the godly. It's clearly defined, clearly separated. In essence, you can't hang out in the wrong spot and expect to get the right results. And we're going to see tonight that, so, so how do we end up in the right spot? How do we end up heading in the right direction? That answer is found in verses 1 and 2 of Proverbs chapter number 11, right? The Bible says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, how many of y'all got a false balance sometimes? You thought you was in control. You thought you could make it from point A to point B, but then gravity took over somewhere and you fell on the ground. Right? That's not a false, that's not the false balance that Solomon is talking about here tonight, but he's talking about a, a mechanism. It was called a balance or a scale. And it was an item used in commerce and trade and purchasing and buying and selling. And you've probably seen it before. It's got a little centerpiece that comes out here and arms that come out this way. And it's got two little trays attached to each side of that arm. And one side goes away. And the other side either goes the grain or, or whatever you're using to buy it. And when it balances out, then it is, it is good to go. The, the price has been paid. And it was used in, in, in Bible days and the days of Solomon. Boy, could you imagine? <laughs> We're in the self-checkout decade generation, aren't we? Could you imagine going into Walmart and you've got your buggy full and you walk up to the you walk up to the self-checkout and there's no computer there, there's no scanner there. All there is is an old-fashioned balance there. Boy, wouldn't that be one? I don't know which one would go slower, <laughs> the self-checkout or the person working the register, right? Could you, just interesting to think about how how convenient we have it nowadays. Uh, but notice here this morning or tonight, the Bible says that a false balance is an abomination of the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And so tonight, if we're going to understand, am I in the ungodly or am I in the godly? Am I in the unrighteous or the righteous, the wise or the unwise? We, first of all, there has to be an accurate rendering, right? There has to be an accurate rendering. The Bible says that a false balance is about why it's a lie. Right, a false balance would be lying. Oftentimes, it was not on the person who was purchasing the goods that would be lied to. It was the one selling the goods. 
they would do different things to their weights and they would uh, change things up slightly to make more money on the other side of things. And the Bible says right here, that, that attitude, that thing is an abomination of the Lord. It's a lie, it's untruth. It is not being honest and being a person of integrity. We understand tonight that God desires every born again believer to be, to be not just righteous, but to be uh, in the sense to be a person of integrity, honest, open, uh, not, never hiding or shading tonight. But we realize that if we are all are going to be honest with ourselves and we're going to figure out are we more in tune with the ungodly or are we more in tune with the godly then there has to be an accurate rendering right and the bible says right there in verse one a just weight is his delight a just weight or a right weight a a weight that has not been tampered with it hasn't been shaved down it hasn't been manipulated it is exactly what it says it's supposed to be and so tonight, as we do an honest rendering, an honest assessment of our life, we have to use a just weight. Now, let me tell you some things that are not just weights, not your opinions are not a just weight. Your traditions are not a just weight. Your feelings are not a just weight. Why, preacher? All of those can be altered. All of those can be manipulated. All of those can be changed over time. Right? How many of you hold the same exact opinions you held when you was 11 years old? How many hold the same opinion you were when you were, you were in grade school? There were some things that I would have fought you tooth and nail when I was seven years old that were real that I understand aren't real tonight. My opinions change. My traditions have changed. Right? My feelings change. I don't know about your feelings, but my, my feelings normally don't stay the same throughout the day. They change constantly and consistently. I go from hungry to thirsty, back to hungry, back to thirsty, to tired, to still tired, to even more tired. Right? You go back and forth, you have those feelings. And so we understand tonight that we can't trust in those, those weights because they're not just. They can be easily manipulated. Preacher, then what is the one weight that we have that cannot be changed, it cannot be altered, it cannot be misconstrued, and that is the word of God tonight. We have a just weight. That Bible that is in your lap tonight is the best weight you can ever put on the balance. What are you trying to say, preacher? What we need to do is on one side of that scale tonight, you need to take the word of God and the truth of it tonight, plop it right there, and then you hop into the other side of the balance and say, all right, Lord, do things way out. Are things the way they're supposed There has to be an accurate rendering. Our lives on one side of the word of God and the other and see if we can get it to balance. But then there has to be an accepted reality. Look at verse number two. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Now how many, let's be honest tonight, ain't, ain't no good for us to lie in church. Y'all not to lie in church. Y'all don't lie anywhere. Oh, people say, I preach, I'm, not, I'm in church, I ain't lying. That, that first thing that comes to my mind is you fix and tell me a lie. <laughs> but how many of y'all sometimes think your scale is lying? <laughs> you step on it, you say, that, that can't be right. No, I thought about exercising this week. I should have lost, I mean, that, <laughs> you seen my head, that thing gets to thinking, I ought to lose some weight somewhere. Oh, that can't be right. That can't be. Right? <laughs> that, that, that thing that's coming, it's in your bathroom, in your kitchen, wherever you store it at, that thing wasn't built to lie to you. It was built to tell you the truth. But sometimes our pride gets in there, we'll look truth right in the face and say, oh, that ain't for me. That doesn't apply to me. 
That, that can't be right. And sometimes God's word is going to do the same exact thing to you. And you're going to say, oh, that is not for me. That is for the pew in front of me. That is for the person who's not here tonight. Boy, they should have been here, preacher. They, they need to hear that. Well, I hope they look it up on Sermon Audio, but you're here tonight, so please pay attention. Right, there must be an accepted reality. <laughs> How do you respond when you look at the scale and it's not what you think it should be? You're gonna say, oh, that thing's not right. Or, or the lowly says, you know what? I probably need to change something. Right? Because what, currently what I'm doing isn't working. I believe every Christian should put the ungodly or the, un, uh, or the godly person in the balance and see which one are they more like. You're gonna see it over and over again in Proverbs 11, all I think at least of 14. It's a back and forth between the righteous, the unrighteous, the godly, the ungodly, the unwise, the unwise, the wicked, and the, all of that kind of, they're going back and forth tonight. So we're gonna give a good example of both of those tonight. And you can put them on one side of the balance, put yourself on the other side and say, well, I hope I balance out with the godly. Or, man, I don't know, I was in that, that, I was in that, or I was in that in touch with the ungodly person. So I need to change some things. Preacher, how in the world can I, can I see which one I'm more like? I'm gonna give you three questions you gotta answer tonight. I got three questions for you to answer tonight to see if you're more in balance with the godly or the ungodly and can I say tonight, the weight is the Bible. This is not my opinion or your opinion. Those can be changed. This is not our feelings. This is the word of God defining these two people. And we can ask, by the way we answer these questions, we can say, am I more in tune with God or the ungodly? Number one, first question, you ready for it? Are you guided or are you guileful? Are you guided or are you guileful? Preacher, what in the world is that second word? It's the word guile with the word full added to it. G-U-I-L-E-F-U-L, guileful. Preacher, I've never heard you use that word in a sentence in my life. <laughs> Thank God for a thesaurus. <laughs> but it, it means to be, in essence, to be, to be uh, crooked in the sense or, or not necessarily outright with things. And you'll see two words in, in, in verses three through five tonight that the, they're, they're separate words or the contrasting words. The first word is found in the word, verse number three, the word integrity. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. That word means innocence. In essence, you're not gonna be found guilty. There was no wrongdoing on your part, so no matter how much they accuse, you know by, because of integrity. I did the right thing. And I did what I, I was supposed to. It's my integrity, even when nobody is watching. And then you go down to verse uh, Verse number three, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy. That word perverse means crooked. It means crooked dealings, right? And here's the thing. The modern day politician, the modern day person in our society tries uh, and lives in a perverse way, but hopes because of a technicality or because of a, a bribe or a favor, they can be deemed innocent at the end of it. Right, and I'm gonna do things wrong, but just because I know the judge, or I got so much money, or I've got so much influence or power, all I gotta do is wink my eye one way, and now I'm deemed innocent, though I'm very not. Uh, in the sense tonight, and we, we oftentimes see that, you know, we've seen and heard about people who committed crimes, and they simply were not brought to trial because when they were put into the police car, they were not read the Miranda rights. And we think, well, you know, they're innocent. Well, not really. 
They just weren't apprehended correctly. And we're going to see that tonight, that, that in essence, you can't live in the world of perverseness when it comes to God. God don't have Miranda rights. God doesn't have technicalities. There are loopholes with God. You can't live perverse and at the end of it say, well, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I didn't have no wrongdoing. God ain't going to buy that. And you ought not to buy it either. The Bible clearly separates the two. Never are we told to mix it, be perverse and innocent at the same, or uh, have a person integrity at the same time. For the Christian, integrity is not the goal line, right? Integrity is not what we are striving for to be, an, uh, or we're hoping one day to achieve. It is who we ought to be. We ought to be people of integrity. It's the, the driving force, the, the, the guideline that we live by that I'm going to do right because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. I, I was talking to a man one time and I found out uh, that he had went and seen Frozen 2. And I, I got to chuckling because he, he didn't fit the bill of someone that would go watch Frozen 2. And so me, being me that likes to pick and play, I said, hey man, I heard you went and seen Frozen 2. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I'd ever take my family to go see that. No. Preacher, have you ever seen Frozen 2? I have. <laughs> but I, I, was, I was playing the part of a good independent fundamental Baptist. I said, I, I don't know if I'd ever take my family to go see that. What do you think about that movie? And he, he, he began to preach at me. He said, you need to go see it. This is a grown man. <laughs> grown man. You need to go see it. He said, hey, it was amazing. He said, I was fixing to shout in the middle of it. I said, all right, now who's playing with who now? <laughs> he said, no, no. He said, they said it over and over again throughout Frozen 2. Just do the next right thing. He said, they said it over and over again. He said, man, I was getting sermons out of that movie. I said, well, this backfired. <laughs> What'd you do, preacher? I went to go watch if I get some sermons out of it. <laughs> But integrity is doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Not because the preacher told you to, not because mom and daddy's watching, not because they got you on camera at the work. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And the Bible says that your integrity will guide you. Right, it'll guide you. Actually, am I guided or am I guileful? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I a person of integrity or am I a person of perverseness? See, integrity uh, uh, rescues in a sense. Notice verse number four. The Bible says, riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Right, it delivereth from death. For example, if you're falsely accused tonight of wrongdoing that you know you did not do, they can pull the record up or they, they, they listen, I understand we live in a, a crazy society. We're thinking in the terms of God tonight. Listen, God will always take your side when you're right. He will always defend the righteous. And so it don't matter. Think about Joseph. Well, let me ask you, did Joseph do anything with Potiphar's wife that was wrong? Did Joseph go to prison? Yes. But did God judge Joseph because of his position in prison? No. His integrity rescued him. His willingness to do right because the spirit of God was with Joseph. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. He did what was right and it rescued him in the end, not necessarily in the eyes of Pharaoh, 
but in the eyes of God. Integrity rescues. Integrity reassures, verse number five. The Bible says, righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. Preacher, what do I need to do in this situation? The right thing. And preacher, what do I need to do in that situation? The right thing. And preacher, what about this situation over here? What should I do right here? The right thing. Well, preacher, what is the right thing? Well, go to the one who knows the right answer. What is that? Who is it? It's God and it's word tonight. Righteousness reassures God's direction is never wrong. His guiding is never misguided. If we really want to do right, oh, preacher, I really want to do right, then allow him to direct you because he's always going to point you in the right direction. To the, not to borrow from Frozen, do the next right thing. He only points in one direction tonight, and that's in the right direction. Integrity reassures, it, it rescues. But notice this, perverseness is destructive. Look at verse number three, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. It shall destroy them. What are you pursuing through deceit? Whatever you're pursuing through deceit will be the same thing that destroys you. It's the same thing that takes you down. And that's, preacher, it's going to kill me? You might still be alive, but it'll destroy your testimony. It'll destroy your, your home, your family, your, 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 te- you know, your, your walk with Christ, and your, your, your positions and your ministry. And when you and I begin to take the, 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 the things that God wants to do for us, we begin to do them for ourselves because we want a certain gain or we want a certain reward. We understand now what we're pursuing is destructive. So he will destroy. Uh, the righteousness of the purpose of direct his path, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Which not only is it destructive, but it's profitless. Look at verse number four. Riches profit not in the day of wrath. Preacher, what in the world does that mean? Riches profit not in the day of wrath. That wrath is a tie to a judgment. In essence, the calling card comes and now it's time to pay the piper. It is time to pay up. Paydays, or not payday, bill days come. Right? You've, got, you've got to pay it by this date. And you got to realize everything you've worked for in a shady sense and by your own means and by your own power and your own conniving skills and your own perverseness, right? When it comes time to pay, you're going to realize, I ain't got nothing to pay with. I ain't got nothing to fix this with. It's profitless. There's, well, what you need it, when you need it the most, it won't be there. Well, how many remember before you got saved, living out in the world, you had a lot of fair weather friends? Oh, they was there when everything was wonderful, everything was good, and everything was fun, and the party was hopping, and you were successful. And the moment everything dropped and fell apart, where did they go? Can I say the same things you pursue in a conniving way, the moment you need them the most, they ain't gonna be there. They're profitless. They're destructive. Perverseness is problematic. Look at verse number five. The righteous of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. What a statement. The wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Oh, preacher, I'm telling you what, it's not my fault. If so-and-so would just get their act together, then I would be fine. And the Bible says that you can play the blame game all you want to, but the wickedness, or the wicked shall fall by their own wickedness. It kind of, I read that verse and the, 
the verse, the first thing that came to my mind as I was studying and preparing, this is real spiritual. Y'all ready for it? Wild E. Coyote. And Roadrunner. How many of you ever seen those cartoons back in the day? Remember when they used to make cartoons and they were good? <laughs> they taught you life lessons and not social issues. <laughs> Amen. Now you think about old Wild E. Coyote. He has one mission. He is going to take out Roadrunner. Road Let me ask you, what did Roadrunner ever do to him? Right, he, he come in, he's got those bombs, he's got those rockets, he's painting the side of the mountain. He's got all these different plans for Roadrunner. And Roadrunner always goes around them. Hops right by it, never gets hit by it. But who always walks right into it? Wild E. Coyote. And the same thing is true when you and I pursue things of the world and of our flesh and all that kind of stuff tonight, we're literally setting the trap for ourselves. Perverseness is problematic. Every trick you come up with will eventually trick you. Let me ask you now, your actions this week, were they guided by integrity or were they guileful in their perverseness? Were they of a pure heart and of a pure mind or were they... Well, you know, if I do this, I can get that. And, and, and boy, if I, if I work it out right here, boy, I tell you what, I, I can, if, I, if, I, if I scratch their back, boy, when my back begins to itch, I'm going to go find them. Right? Were, were your actions this week guided by integrity or, or were they guileful in their perverseness? Are you guided or guileful? Number two, are you sincere or shifty? Are you sincere or shifty? Verses six through eight. There's a common test we see in verses six through eight tonight in the rest of our Bible. There's a common test for the godly and the ungodly. In essence, both the godly and the ungodly are gonna face it. Verse number seven gives us one of these. A wicked man that dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust man perisheth. So death, we see that the test of death, and also in verse number eight, we see the test of trouble. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. So we see these tests. Death is a reminder of judgment. Hebrews 9, 27 is a point on the man wants to die and after this what? The judgment. We understand that death is always tied to that judgment for that sense. And then eight, verse eight is that trouble, that revealing of motives, storms, trials, troubles. Reveal your true motives. Why you do what you do. And we have to ask ourselves when these things come, we, we can ask, am I sincere or am I just being shifty? We see the benefit of sincerity, verses six and eight. Look at verse number six. The righteous of the, the righteous of the upright shall deliver them. Go down to verse number eight. The righteous is delivered out of trouble. That has the same benefit right there in verses six and eight. What is it? It's deliverance. You'll be delivered from false accusations, from self-destruction, from regrets. I did it sincerely without any kind of influence, without any kind of sway or expected self-benefit. I simply did it once again because it was the right thing to do. I was a person of integrity. I was sincere in my most. The best feeling you'll ever have in the world is that when you do right and you know it's the right thing to do and you're, you know that you did it. Right, one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life is knowing that I was, I obeyed God. I did what God told me to do, right? And I did it the way he told me to do it, the way he outlined in his word. Now, the results might not have been what I thought they were gonna be. The person who, who I, I did it for or did it to, they might not have received it the way I, I thought they ought to have received it, but I could go to bed at night saying, I've done what God told me to do. 
I didn't do it for any ulterior motive. I didn't do it because I was trying to impress them or try to sway their opinion of me. I did it because I sincerely wanted to help them. I sincerely wanted to encourage them. I, simply, I, I sincerely wanted to aid them in their Christian walk. There was no ulterior motive. I sincerely did it. I can go to bed at night knowing I've done what I was supposed to do. Boy, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful experience to have in the Christian life. And we see right there, the, the benefit of sincerity is it's deliverance. You don't have to live with regret. You don't have to live with insecurity. You don't have to live with, uh, you'll be delivered from false accusations, self-destruction in that sense. It's the benefit of sincerity. Then we also see the burden of shiftiness. Verses six through eight. Right, we see it. <laughs> but notice this, verse number six, the righteous of the, the up, righteous of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. There it is again. The same thing that you've been pursuing is the same thing that's gonna take you out. When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust man perisheth. Verse 8, the righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. Listen, I can't stop you from being shifty, nor can I stop the consequences of shiftiness taking place. I, I can't do that for you. That's a choice you want to make on your own. But we see right here, once again, shiftiness is a self-snare. Caught in your own trap. When I was, I was probably TR's age. We were living in Colorado at the time. And it was wintertime, we had a blizzard. Most snow I've ever seen in my entire life. I know, I remember we had enough snow in our front yard that me and my brother could literally go down and dig tunnels through it and crawl through it. We had, a, we had like a, one of them uh, McDonald's play places right there in our front yard out of snow. It was crazy. But then I, I got this idea, I said, well, I'm going to trick my brother. I dug down into that snow and dug a hole out into it and then I, I don't still to this day, I still don't know how I did this, but I took a layer of snow, put it over the top of it. Just a little thin layer of snow across the top of it. And I said, man, when we come back outside, my brother already went inside, so when we come back outside, I'm going to have my brother walk right into that. And it's gonna, he's going to fall right into it. I had mastermind, I had it figured out. And so I got it all ready to go. I went back in the house. And I, I remember my dad had it so hot in that house. We had a wood-burning stove, heater running. I remember I was, I was eight years old at the time, wasn't saved. <laughs> wasn't saved. <laughs> but I got all the way down to my boxers as an eight-year-old boy, sitting in the living room drinking my hot, my hot cocoa, living the life. And my mom said, hey, uh, I need you to go get the mail for me. I said, no problem, Mom. I'm your favorite son. I'll go get it. <laughs> I didn't realize that then I was her favorite son. I realize it now. And so I said, you know what? The mailbox is right there on the, at the end of the front yard, maybe 50 feet at the most. I don't got to put clothes back on. I'll run out to that mailbox, and I'll grab my mail out of it, or not my, my parents' mail out of it. <laughs> so I got ready, psyched myself up, opened the front door, took off off the front porch, down our little front little walkway, right across the yard to the mailbox like I've done so many times in my life. <laughs> I forgot about the whole... I hit that thing full speed. That thing swallowed me up. <laughs> Feet were standing up in the air. <laughs> I was crying. Pretty sure I had frostbite. <laughs> I finished, I got to the mailbox, came in, crying, snow over my face. Mama, what, what happened to you? And I began to tell the story about that. She said, that's what you get. <laughs> that's what you get. 
And can I say tonight, when you and I begin to be shifty in our dealings, all we're doing is set up a trap for ourselves. And you'll never run into it at a fortunate time. You'll never run into it when it's convenient. Not only is it a self-snare, but look at verse 7, it's hopeless. Right, it's hopeless. Look at verse 7, a wicked man dieth, his expectations shall perish. And the hope of the unjust men, everything you thought you was going to get, you're not going to get it. You're not going to come close to it. You'll lose everything you were, you were wanting and desiring. It'll all be gone. You won't even have hope for it anymore. Then we see that it's unfortunate. Look at verse number eight. The righteous is delivered out of trouble and the wicked cometh in its stead. God will pull one person out and he'll stick you right in there. He'll let you go through something that was actually probably appointed to somebody else. You'll be delivered into something that you could have been delivered out of. Let me ask you, were you, were you sincere in your business this week, in your actions this week? Or was there an element of shiftiness to it? Are you sincere or shifty? In the balance tonight, who are you, who you lining up with? Who are you balancing out with this evening? The godly or the ungodly? Then notice number three this morning, evening. <laughs> are you helping or hurting? Are you helping or hurting? Finally tonight, it's real simple, the godly help, the ungodly hurt. Our country, our society has this backwards. Think about this. The worst thing right now you can be in our country is somebody who loves the Lord and worships God, reads their Bible, lives peaceably, has conservative values, right? Gets married, starts a family, works hard and is honest. That's one of the worst things you can be in this country. They'll tell you things right. Our society, our leaders, our, 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 the public arena will tell you that you are destroying our country. And I sit back and think, well, really? That's kind of what our country was built on. That's what it was founded on. That's why God blessed it so mightily and so wonderfully. It's how our country became great. But we're going to see tonight when you read verses 9 through 11, you'll see something very interesting that words or spoken words are tied to the wicked. They run at the mouth. Their, their words don't line up with their actions. We see it in front of us every day. We care about people's lives, yet we're okay with abortion. We, we are for love, even if it's a love that is not defined in the word of God. And it causes great pain and hurt we care about your children enough to let them be mutilated when they're five years old. Out of one word, it's good, but their action is wicked. You see, words are tied to the wicked, but notice their action or applied knowledge was tied to the righteous in verses nine through 11. See, the wicked use words to hurt, verses nine and verse 11, and no one is safe from their threats. Look at verse number nine. And a hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. His neighbor. Who did Jesus say we're supposed to love like ourselves? Our neighbor. Right? And some will say, well, you know, I don't have any neighbors. I live out in the country. I'm all by my, I understand that tonight. I don't think Jesus, all right, they have to be within 15 feet of your house in order for you to call them your neighbor. Right, but they're the people that you interact with, you see all the time. And we see right here, the wicked will say, the person that they are literally said five minutes to say love and care about, they will tear them down with their words. 
But notice this, it doesn't just stop with the neighbor. Look at verse number 11. Right, by the, or by the blessing of the bright, the city is exalted, but it's overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. It's not just a personal thing, but it goes all the way to the city. The city lifts, excuse me, uh, it goes from the, the neighbor to the city. Everybody is susceptible to their lies, their slander, their gossip, their falsehoods. Their mentality is, I must be on top, and I must be all by myself. I can't share the spotlight with anybody. They use, the wicked use their words to hurt. Let me ask you a question. How'd you use your words this week? How'd you use your words this week? The wicked use their words to hurt. The righteous use actions to help, verses 10 and 11. Notice the double blessing. Verse number 10, when it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, was overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Notice the blessing, the city lifts up the righteous. In essence, tonight, what is our country striving for? What is our, what is our, what is our country dying for as godly leadership? I'm not talking about in the White House. That'd be wonderful. That'd be great. But America needs godly men in, in charge and, and leading the churches. Our homes need godly men leading them and righteous men leading them. Why? Our, our homes and our churches are dying for the need of godly leadership. Righteous leadership. But notice this, the city lifts up the righteous. In essence, you be a man of integrity, you be a person of integrity, of honesty, sincerity. And listen, people will respect you. Not everybody's gonna like you, but people will get behind you because that's what people really want. That's what people really desire. Nobody likes dealing with a thief. Nobody likes dealing with a liar. Nobody likes dealing with a crook. Everybody likes dealing with somebody who's honest. How many know, if I were to say, do you know somebody who's just, just, just plumb honest? Sincere, humble. They're the most humble person you know. Let me ask, do you like being around them? I do. I like being around those kind of people. The city lifts up the righteous. But notice this, then the righteous lifts up the city. They set the example. And now all of a sudden the city or the, the crowd looks and says, that's what we want to be. That's what we want to do. We want to be like that. I'm not talking about worshiping men tonight, but I'm talking about following good examples. The righteous lift up the city. The city lifts up the righteous. They don't just say the right things. They do the right things. And when it's allowed to continue, it'll become contagious. When it's allowed to continue, it'll become contagious. Boy, verse, verse number 10 is a reality. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. When the wicked perish, they're shouting. They're shouting. Oh, preacher, we ought not to ever take pleasure in somebody else's fall, right? Or somebody else's uh, uh, downcoming in that sense or dethroning uh, tonight. Can I say there's sometimes it's happened in history. I'm glad that it did. Back in 2000 something, I can't remember what year it was. It was after 9-11. And we were living on Fort Gordon at the time. And they had just caught Saddam Hussein. And I think uh, they had just caught him in that little hole that he was in in Iraq. And I remember it was midnight, one o'clock in the morning on Fort Gordon. And you would have thought it was the 4th of July. People walking out of the house, they were shooting on fireworks. I don't know where they got them at. They were illegal back then. People were shooting off fireworks, hollering, screaming. And I remember my mom got us in the van. 
And we just rode down the neighborhood. <laughs> and some guy, we knew him, he just hopped in the car, crying, excited. I mean, he was twice my size. Big, a big fella, mean fella, scary fella. Just in there crying. I, I'm so glad they took him out. I'm so glad they got him. I'm so glad that, that his oppression is over. And can I say the reality is when God takes out somebody like that who has been going against his word and, and when I say take out, I don't mean he kills them, but he removes him from power. Are we not grateful for that? Are we not thankful for that? Because we know that is not what I stand for. That is not what I believe. That is not what I'm lined up with. God, would you please put somebody in that sense in charge there? We're not glad that Adolf Hitler is no longer in power. I remember, I remember reading stories about when the, those in the concentration camps found out he was gone. They weren't like, oh man, it's terrible. They were excited. Then even the, the Germans themselves found out what was going on and taking place. They were besides themselves. I supported a man like that who was doing that. And it's a true reality tonight that we've seen it historically. And really, I don't know about, I'm hoping for it domestically. What do you mean by prayer? I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, listen, I, I don't agree with just about anything that's coming out of White House. My prayer is, Lord, don't keep him in there four more years. My prayer is, Lord, get, some, get somebody in there that'll stand for life. Get somebody that'll stand in for the freedom to assemble and the freedom to worship and the freedom to, to live the Christian life as God designed it to be lived. I understand it. I don't have to have freedom to do that, but I sure am grateful for it. It's a true reality. Huh? I, I wish Joe Biden would get saved by the grace of God. My honest prayer, my honest desire. My, my, Lord, please. I don't want four more years. I don't want four more. Why, preacher? Because you've got to realize things that are be done today in the next couple of years, our children are going to have to deal with the consequences. And I'm not just talking about financial decisions. I'm not talking about, about the, the, the economic issues. Those are terrible enough in themselves. I'm talking about the social issues. Your kids are going to grow up in a society if things don't change. That they'll be persecuted not because they are, they are, they are extravagant and, and outwardly, you know, so well spoken outwardly of their, their faith. They simply are trying to live by the precepts of the word of God and they'll be persecuted for it. I don't know about you tonight. If I found out tonight, they came across the headlines and said Joe Biden stepped down from being the president of the United States of America. <laughs> I don't know if I, I probably wouldn't believe it at first. Check, let me check what the conspiracy theorists are saying here. <laughs> What's really going on? Well, they said, listen, the, the, and, and the Democrat Party has stepped down and, and they're, they're turning it over to a, 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 you know, a man who loves the Lord. He's been saved for 37 years. He serves faithfully and he, he just wants to turn America back to God. I wouldn't be like, oh, really? Well, I'd be excited. I don't think we're ever going to hear that. But I'd be excited about it. And I'd be grateful for it. Let me ask you now, are you someone that others want to follow and be like? Or are you someone they just want to stop? Just stop. 
Are you helping or are you hurting? Are you sincere or are you shifty? Are you guided or are you guileful tonight? Put yourself in the balance tonight and see how you weigh out. Oh, preacher, I don't like how I'm weighing out. Well, thank God you can change. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I don't like where I am, Lord. I want to be more in balanced with you. Be more like you. Let's pray tonight.